1: the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live outside the team store here at Vivint Arena, getting you ready for Salt Lake City Summer League, which gets going tonight. Uh, Let's uh, jump out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net uh joining us now he is the founder of the jumpball.net. he writes for bleacher Report. He podcasts for the athletic he is mo de with us here on the big show mo thanks for joining us again how are you
2: i'm doing well how about yourself
1: oh man we're great uh we're gonna be watching some basketball tonight <laughs> summer league is here so zero complaints from us man
2: there you go you guys are all set
1: as a, former, uh, as a former video guy, what are your thoughts on Summer League? Is it, was it something you look forward to? Because I'm sure there's a ton of work to be done, right?
2: Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of a little bit interesting because Summer League, you don't have quite the same setup as you normally do. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit different in Utah because it's at the arena, so you, so you can set up like you used to and, and probably break down the games live and everything like that. But Summer League generally as a video coordinator is a little bit more relaxed. Than, than the way you would normally be during the NBA season. So you might be asked to do a couple of projects, but nothing too uh, crazy or strenuous. So what do
3: you make of what the Jazz have done, uh, both with their draft pick, Jared Butler moving back and uh, still getting the guy they said they wanted, has some health concerns, but certainly had uh, looked awfully good with Baylor. And then the re-signing of uh, Mike Conley and now uh, – you know, if, if, if it stays status quo, then uh, what's happening with uh, Rudy, uh, Rudy Gay?
2: Yeah, so I think just first looking at the draft, I think that was just very smart calculations from the Jazz front office and saying we can probably move down, collect an asset, and and still get our guy. I think it kind of works out for them in that sense. So I think just very shrewd move by their front office. You know, the, the bigger impact is really the free agency stuff. And, of course, you know, you, you move Derek Favor so that you can open up the opportunity in the cap space and, and, and create viable ways for you to be able to make moves. And bringing back Mike Conley makes a big difference. You know, three years, $72 million, That's 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 a great deal for the Jazz. Very team-friendly. I think that works out really well for them, especially if he can stay healthy. You bring in Rudy Gay, that's another athletic you know, more probably of a, a small ball four now than, than when he used to be a wing. But another guy would, even though he's a little older with athleticism, could do some things, give you a little more uh, fire or power off the bench, a little bit more uh, defensive power as well in terms of guarding wings in the Western Conference. I think, you know, I, I love what the Jazz are doing so far this summer.
1: Talking about some other teams, what did you think about the deal for uh, the Lakers made for Russell Westbrook?
2: Yeah, you know, at at first, you know, before free agency, I saw that I I didn't like it. And I'm not all that sold on it. I just think it becomes a very difficult way to operate, you know, in in offense with him and LeBron, you know, who aren't, I mean, obviously Russ isn't a very good shooter. LeBron's a pretty good shooter, but not really great. And I think you're in a situation where you're going to take the ball out of one of those guys' hands and that's going to make the other guy less valuable, you know, and I think you're not going to maximize as much of their their skill level as you, you can. So I think it's a little bit of an interesting pairing there. I think when you have the guys they're bringing in in free agency, though, you know, just today they brought in Malik Monk. I, I, I know that Carmelo Anthony's going to get all the, the shine, but I think bringing in Malik Monk was a big step for them in terms of bringing in another shooter. Guy shot 40% from three last season. I think there's a lot of moving parts with everything they're building right now it's going to be an interesting roster i think if anybody can make this work though they still got lebron they still got the best player in the world in my opinion so i think they're going to be they're going to do just fine it'll just be a very interesting uh process in how they build everything any
3: other deals or signings that are standing out in your mind as being particularly uh impactful
2: well i think miami obviously the other big deal right the the sign and trade to bring in kyle lowry was huge for them i think that you know has has allowed them to start kind of hey we're going to get back to what we used to be they're not fully uh uh i wouldn't say they're quite in the contender race in the east but they're they're climbing up they're also snagging pj tucker from milwaukee another valuable piece for them a guy that they can put as a four to start for them and allow them to continue to sort of Hey, let's let's get going here. Let's get ourselves together. I think Lowry is going to be a bit of an upgrade over Dragic. Not a massive one, but an improvement. And then just re-signing Duncan Robinson. I think Tyler Hero is going to have a bounce-back year. I think there's going to be some good things in Miami. But one team that I think did pretty well, kind of quietly under the radar, is the Dallas Mavericks. Although they didn't get Kyle Lowry, pulling off and bringing in uh, Reggie Bullock for, you know, thirty point five million. I think, you know, snagging a shooter and a, a guy that can defend, big, big move for the Mavs.
1: What do you think about these older players uh, getting such big paydays and, and three-year deals? You know, we talked about Michael Conley, Chris Paul, and you mentioned Kyle Lowry. You know, are, I I think, will they regret making such long deals in the end? Because, I mean, Chris Paul's going to be 40, right, when that's up. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think
2: Chris Paul is in a little different range than those other guys. Um, but, you know, I think that seeing how Chris Paul had, had played last season, I think that gave a lot of teams an opportunity to say, like, hey, we might be able to, you know, these other guys should be able to do the same thing. Doesn't ever work that way, right? It, it, it's not one for one because one guy does it, the other guys should be able to handle it. I think the, it, it's got to be a smart calculation from each of these teams when they make that decision. You know, and, and you know, the, the, like the Jimmy Butler deal, signing him to a four-year deal. I think the first two years are going to be great. I'm going to be very curious what his body looks like the next two, just in terms of if he can hold up and all those things. It's always a scary proposition when you're kind of committing that guy for a long time, knowing it's going to take him into older age. But I think that's where you got to trust on your, your team and the research and everything you've done that, hey, this guy's still going to be able to, to hold up. And we're in a better place. Taking care of our bodies now than we were ten years ago, so I think we're it's it, it's okay, but it's always a little bit nerve wracking.
3: Any other deals that you're waiting on, Mo? That uh, standing out as being particularly uh, you know helpful for a team.
2: Well, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with Spencer Dinwiddie, and you know there are rumors with him and 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 Washington nearing a deal. I think you know if that's going to turn into a sign and trade, is Brooklyn going to find a way to add? Kyle Kuzma, and, and, and basically add another wing, you know, a guy that can defend on the wing and, and, and do some pretty good stuff. I think he'd be a fun fit on that offense. You know, him cutting off ball. He can he can knock down the shot, three ball, not as consistently as some would like, but still pretty good. I think, you know, that would be something I would keep an eye on that's going to be interesting. And then I have no idea what's going to happen with Dennis Schroeder. Like, we haven't heard anything. <laughs> I'm just curious if he's just waiting by his phone hoping somebody's going to call him. Mo, uh, give us a couple of teams that had a good draft night. A couple of teams that had a good draft I think Orlando did a great job. I think snagging Jalen Suggs at five and um, uh, Franz Wagner at eight. I think they're beginning to build something. I think they're, they're, they started the reset over the, the trade deadline. I think they're beginning to put together guys and put together a uh, uh, culture and, and, and starting that rebuild with a guy like Jalen Suggs. I think it's got to be very exciting for Orlando and puts them in a good situation. In, in terms of, I, obviously Detroit, Cade Cunningham was an easy pick, slam dunk for them. I think, you know, we talked about the Jazz. Just making the smart move of, hey, we like our guy. We think we can get him later. Moving back was just the, the right and, and, and prudent decision. You know, I, I like Oklahoma taking swings. You know, and, and, and especially going after Josh Giddy, I think he's going to be an interesting prospect. But, you know, they got nothing to lose. We can take on a guy like him, and let's take a big cut and see where we end up.
3: Two things off of what you just said there. One of them is, is OKC not going to be happy until it owns like 500 first-round draft picks in the future? I, I Just wondering. <laughs> and and the, well, second, the second question is, fill us in on Cade Cunningham, because I know Jake hosted our draft night show, and so I know he got into it big time. But for our listeners, what makes Cade Cunningham uh, so highly thought of?
2: Well, for Oklahoma City, I think we're just heading one day for just an all-Oklahoma City draft. One <laughs> through 30, just it's the whole – we're going to host the draft in Oklahoma City. It's going to be <laughs> – that's just going to be the first round. I think that's what they're going for. Um, the – Cade Cunningham brings to them, first off, his size, 6'8", unbelievable uh, skill level, you know, can score pretty much at every level. You know, the three-ball mid-range can get to the cup. Great competitor, great passing vision, you know, com- you know, combats defensively. I think, you know, he, he kind of has a-, a-, a very solid package all around that you look at going like, hey, he can really build into being a high-quality player, a guy we can build our franchise around. And that's why he went number one. I think it was a no-brainer for most people. You know, um, Mike Smith of of ESPN had the 11 moves that Cade Cunningham has that can translate to the NBA right now. That's 11 moves. A lot of guys coming in the league don't have 11 moves. You know, it's like a a pitcher coming in with five pitches. You know, I think all of that are just things you're looking at going like, this guy – if everything works out and that's, you know, you got to get lucky, got to be healthy, got to, you know, and, and, and hope you can continue to progress properly. He has a chance to be a really just high level franchise player for the Detroit Pistons and change their fortunes and begin to get them back into the playoffs more regularly.
1: So Mo, who wins in Tokyo? Who brings home
2: the gold? I'm still going team USA. I think, you know, it's, it's not going to look pretty, guys. Everybody needs to. It, it hasn't looked pretty yet. Not going to look pretty the whole way. Um, there's going to be times where, you know, like when we were watching the game against Spain, you were watching it, and I was watching it. going like, wow, the U.S. is down 11. It was 40 to 29 at one point. And I was going, to, they can't stop Ricky Rubio. This is, this is going to be a real rough night for Team USA. But sure enough, they turn it around in the second half. Really, at the end of the second quarter, when they won on that run, a 20 to 6 run to start the third quarter really building everything up and, and, and got them back into cruising mode I think team USA they they're gonna pull it off and get the gold uh, they got a big game against team Australia though.
3: how important is the gold medal uh, in USA basketball these days Mo because you know some people always consider the Olympics to be secondary to what happens in the NBA but is this is this a big deal or is it just kind of like uh, soothing some pride?
2: I think the, the the gold medal is it's it's not a big deal if we win. If we lose, it's a whole disaster, right? And you see it, you saw it after we lost to France, right? Everybody had a complete meltdown. You know, it's, I can't believe we lost. Da, 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 we're this team, and, and things like that. You know, when we win, it's like no, we we are expected to win. That's that's fine. You don't get prizes for when you do what you're supposed to do. Um, and 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 I think that's kind of the way uh, we sometimes treat the. It, don't get me wrong. It's a very arrogant way to go about it. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna bite us again at some point because we, you know, we saw it here. We haven't sent, we didn't send our best guys, and we're watching the world catch up. You're watching what Slovenia has done with Luka Doncic. They're 17 and 0 whenever he plays for the Slovenian national team. That's really impressive. You know, he he just kind of brings that game to him. You saw we lost to France. France has a ton of NBA players on their roster. Australia, who we're gonna play tomorrow uh, evening i'm not sure the time zone has completely messed me up but uh you know that ton of nba talent along that roster i think we're beginning to watch teams and countries catch up a little bit to us so we got to we got to enjoy it while we have it because who knows at some point we're going to be in a tough spot
1: mo it's always a pleasure to have you on the show thank you very much we appreciate it well uh, thank you guys for having me thanks mo That's our friend uh, Mo Dekeel, founder of TheJumpBall.net, writes for Bleacher Report, podcast for The Athletic. He's very busy. Former uh, NBA video coordinator um, and and really is a very insightful guest. We're lucky he's uh, joined us a few times.
3: He echoed what you said back before I left, and that is that Team USA only gathers attention when they lose. They're
1: only interesting when they lose, Gordon. (laughs) They're not interesting when they win. They're only interesting when they lose which is kind of a no win situation for them to be in but it is what it
3: is. I wonder if that affects guys desire to be a part of it.
1: Um I don't know. I don't know if the athletes themselves would think of it that way. Maybe they would. Agents would.
3: I mean, they're looking at it going, "Hey, if I join this team and I and I get playing time and the team loses, then it is everything to lose and not a whole lot to gain.
1: But when we talked about this before, though, except for we don't, we don't, as fans, not the players, but as mm-hmm. fans and and observers, we put no weight in the Olympics for how we judge our NBA players. None. I mean, do you even remember who was on the the uh, what team was it that lost? Oh four.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, I remember a couple of players that were on that team, but did did it, did it impact your? Do on their legacy in any way?
3: Not really, no.
1: In no way. <laughs> and even the players that have won gold, do we do we really care?
3: <laughs> no, because everything is in the wake of the Dream Team. What, well, it's, uh, it's nothing because can compare with that.
1: It's not the highest level of basketball. It's not that great of achievement yeah. for these uh, these American players. I'll tell you what; it does point out, though, uh, is. How the NBA, the evolution of the rules in the NBA have made players a lot softer.
3: Because now they get into a rough and tumble situation and they kind of shrink away. Right.
1: They're just crying about getting a foul call as opposed to playing tougher.
3: See, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that the world is getting better at basketball. Well,
1: it's a good thing for the NBA because it's more interests abroad and and better play. I mean, more of a pool of talent. And yeah. when you
3: look at the, that that talent and what they're doing in the league now, formidable.
1: It's it's the opposite like football has the opposite issue, right? Where football the talent pool of football players is shrinking whereas the talent play, you know pool of basketball players is growing.
3: Seems to be, yeah.
1: And that's just, you know, football is not as popular amongst the youth today and maybe it's the mom effect that uh, that the NFL feared it's for so true. long. What, the, and a fewer that, people are playing football yeah. as kids? Yes. Particular a, in pla- particularly in places like California, where it's dropped off significantly.
3: Really, that's a fact. Zach Wilson just signed a contract for $35.9 million.
1: But what does that have to do with what I'm talking about?
3: Well, I mean, you'd think that that would create interest in having kids participate in a sport.
1: Okay, are more kids participating in baseball, even though baseball players are making way more money than football players?
3: Uh, well, I don't know. I fewer don't
1: know. fewer young people are playing football. The concussion situation has had that effect on youth football. Maybe I, not around I here. I don't, I don't
3: think the supply is drying up.
1: It's getting smaller.
3: I, but do uh, you know by how much?
1: Well, we could look into it.
3: What's that, Eric? Oh.
1: all right we'll have uh, more coming up next stay tuned we are live here uh we're outside of the team store getting ready for summer league we come on by and say hi we had a couple of listeners come on by and wave they said you said on the radio to come say hi here we are and we <laughs> we were doing the interview with mo so we could only wave but, yes yeah but please uh, come on by and see us
3: is well, what the kid's doing right there is that a thing now what two different color shoes
1: uh, i don't know
3: is that is that a thing
1: well, now I know you're going to show up in two different pair of J- uh, Jordans tomorrow.
3: <laughs> no. One of his shoes was red and the other one was You trying orange. to keep
1: up with kids these days, Gordon? No, I'm just
3: wondering if that, you know, because I like to be keep abreast of what's happening in the fashion world. Do you?
1: <laughs> All right. We'll have more of the big show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Presented by Big O Tires. With the lowest price on every tire, every day. With no credit needed financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust.
1: This is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Quick change of plan. Nigel Burton was scheduled to join us in this uh, segment of Talk College Football. Uh, We're rescheduled. We had to reschedule. I don't even know why. Actually, he's going to join us at 5:30, so we'll still talk to Nigel. It's just going to be a little later than planned. A little shuffling of the deck, no big deal. Um, Gordon, we are here uh, outside the team store, part of uh, summer league. People already showing up.
3: They are. People uh, are excited for for watching basketball. This is a
1: great sports market. It really is. I talk to people about that all the time. Like uh, everybody, um, you know, I went to the Pac-12 media day, Gordon, last Tuesday, and. Um, there's a lot of Utah media outlets that are down there, and we, we hear that a lot, where people say, oh, there's a lot of folks from Utah down here. And I have, I, I told multiple people on Tuesday, last Tuesday, this is a passionate sports market. There it are is. a lot of fans, and they are into it, and they love their teams. And, uh, you know, with the rivalry in in, col- in the collegiate world, combined with kind of the juggernaut that is the jazz, it makes it for a very unique and
3: uh, cool sports environment. But full of filled with fans that are into it right and that's what makes doing sports radio in this town for 30 years lots of fun yeah yeah the, the care factor is high you don't think folks are charged up for college football coming around all this stuff going on in college football and yet people are charged up to watch the team they they cheer for play same thing with the jazz i mean the jazz go through this disappointing loss against the Clippers, after building through the regular season the best record of all, winning more games than anybody else, then they have they stub their toe. They have a disappointing loss, and and people are fired up to see what's next. I think that, one, they understand it. They understand these games. They understand football. They understand basketball. And secondly, the entertainment factor is high. People not only understand the game and the competition, but it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch, and then the, the, the passion that you were talking about spills over in every direction. And what what more could a sports fan want? Well,
1: look at the—I mean, look at the football stadiums, and and look at Vivid Arena. I mean, the the sellout streak before the coronavirus was a thing. Yeah, remember that? And uh-huh. and I know they weren't. I guess they were allowed to go to full capacity there toward the end of the playoffs, but you know, last year obviously they weren't able to continue that sellout streak. But but look at uh, Rice-Eccles every week. Look at uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium every week. They're full for the most part. I mean, yeah, not I mean, every you're game. Talk, but, you're but, talking I mean,
3: about 100,000 fans
1: Yep, or more. Who are going in person, not even talking about the folks staying home and watching uh, on TV. Exactly.
3: Yeah. And, and th- this is a smaller market? I mean.
1: Well, we talked about uh, the Northern California schools last hour, right? Yeah. I mean, there's like five people going to
3: Stanford and Cal between them. And I think uh, what you just talked about at Pac-12 Media Day is an indication of that. A lot of times people, I hear people blame the media for whatever is being either reported or spoken of on the air or written, whatever. But it's a reflection of the interest level of the people who consume the news. Yeah, we're not going because no one's listening. Yeah. Yeah. People want to hear about it. And I'm sure you and PK were widely listened to that day, you know. Well, I hope so. Because uh, did you do the high? How are you? I
1: tried to I tried to calm it down. I tried to keep it a little <laughs> more. Uh, I tried to keep it a little more even keeled. Uh, but it, well, it it was a big day. But uh, we were talking about this earlier too. It's a, it's about juice, and that's one thing that the programs around here talking. You know, switching to college here for a second, the Utah and BYU have they've got some juice and they've got some interest and they've got. You know they've got fans and they've got eyeballs watching the product, and that's not true. I think one of the, the the issues that the Pac-12 faces and will always face is there is not the passion for college football in this part of the country that there is in the southeast or in Texas, for that matter. There just isn't. You know, you go to you go to Oregon and it's a rocking raucous environment. You go to uh, Berkeley and it's not. At why, Stanford, why, and it's not, and that? you go to Arizona, P- and it's not in Arizona State, it's not. Why? Well, I mean, we could talk about the the how, like how many dollars your sports fan in those markets has to spend. I mean, I think with Arizona State, I've heard PK talk about this. Arizona State's fourth or fifth on the totem pole.
3: Well, obviously, you got the Suns, you got the Diamondbacks, you got the the Cardinals, Cardinals. you know. So. Yeah. You're
1: you're just down the But there was
3: a time when Arizona State ruled that town. Not anymore. <laughs> was that day, back in the day of Frank Kush? Um, you know, Colorado are are they
1: do they carry that the juice in that market or is it now the Broncos?
3: I think it's always been the Broncos. Or has it
1: always been the Broncos? I don't know. I'm thinking back to the to the Rashawn Salaam <laughs> days where it seemed like they were pretty they they had a lot going for them, you know, but I, I think that, that the, the interest level, I mean, even UC, USC and UCLA, they're not selling out those stadiums.
3: Well, people always say, well, in California, there's so many other things to do. You go to the beach, you got entertainment. That stuff, it's uh, true. Well, it is but true. it's true here, too. I mean, at least maybe not the, the entertainment options aren't at the same level as Southern California, but you got all kinds of outdoor activities here. Yeah, I mean, it's not like people have nothing to do even though that might be the perception outside well, of this area. Well, I,
1: I think the programs themselves have done a good job captivating interest, and it's not one thing or another, right? I mean, you, you look at Oregon State, and they've been so bad for so long. Even their good years were just okay. You know, are we surprised that they haven't captured the, the fan base of Beaver football? You know, like Utah— Utah, you remember back in some of the McBride years toward the end there where nobody was going to Utah games, but they win uh, at a high level, and all of a sudden they build the program and the support to where it is now, and it doesn't hurt that they jump to the Pac-12, but BYU's still riding the support from the Lavelle days. Well,
3: Then how do, what, what, how do you explain, like, Stanford? I mean, they've played good football there through the years. Maybe it dipped a little bit lately, but... That stadium is like half full, isn't it? If that. So,
1: I don't, I don't know is my ultimate answer, but let, let me ask you this. Uh, are are Stanford grads the type that are going to be big football fans? <laughs>
3: why, why, why wouldn't they be?
1: Well, for one, they're a more uh, national student body, right? They're coming from all over. Yeah, but and it's they're probably school. And they're probably going home to all over
3: yeah but don't you remain sort of interested in the place where you matriculate Don't you
1: fly from rhode island to san francisco every week no yeah yeah i guess but i don't i don't don't know gordon it'd be it'd be a fascinating look right i mean tennessee hasn't won jack in a long time but yet hundred thousand people are going to every game but they've had success in the past to build that
3: right do you think it's, is it true, sort of this backward bumpkin kind of feeling that communities that just have nothing else going on, that they draw well to the college football because there's nothing else to do? I, is see, that true or see, is that just Well, one of those focus
1: things? on the first part of your statement right there, and I think it's more accurate than the, than the last. The community is a part of it. You know what I mean? The the community feel of what's going on. Like I, I do think that Utah football has become an event for home games. A lot like some of those places in the South where it's about the the tailgating and the hoopla and all that. It's more than just the game itself. It's turned into a community feel type event. I think that's a big I think that's a big part of it. And not to to just get focused on tailgating, but I wonder if you went to a tailgate scene at Cowell or Stanford, what that would be like. Would there be that community? I do think that BYU football fans and Utah football fans have formed this event community-type feel where it is about more than just going to watch a game.
3: I've seen some pretty good pregame tailgating going on around the Rose Bowl for UCLA, you know? Okay.
1: I, 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 I think I they know.
3: fight the fact that, the, that that stadium
1: is so far away from their campus. I think that affects some things, too. I mean, I don't think there's just one answer. But I do think the community part of it is a thing. I think that the support, okay, then, it builds and stays because it's more than just I like watching
3: football. It's about this communal thing. So an attendant question with that, and it's a very important question, an issue that uh, Kliovkov has to address. Are How much does that, everything we just talked about affect recruiting? Because there's a lot of talent in California, and a lot of it is leaving the state.
1: Well, a lot more now than uh, a month ago. You're not going to, if you don't have the juice around your program, you're not going to be able to bribe players to go play for you, right? (laughs) So, I mean, that's going to be an issue in recruiting.
3: But it's already been an issue for quite some time. Not as much,
1: because now you can just flat pay them.
3: (laughs) I knew that's what you were getting at. But it's more than just that.
1: If you don't have boosters you don't willing to pay you, you recruits millions USC, of dollars.
3: You don't think USC can pay its players whatever it wants? We're, we're not necessarily to, to talking. Quote, to quote Norm Chow. We're not talking USC about USC. gets what USC We're talking wants. about the league. You said the but, league but, with players but, leaving. But, but, if they're but, going
1: to make a million dollars day one at Ohio State, yes, they are going to leave. But
3: is SC is, uh, is kind of losing recruits. Well, will they still? I don't know. It'll be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's what we're talking about here is a societal thing. It's a, <laughs> it's what what happens in the SEC. We were talking about what value does Mississippi State bring to the SEC? Well, they bring people. People in the community are energized, just like we're talking about out here, but that is not the case in some places. I, when My time spent in the Midwest, we were talking with bowler about that earlier. People in the Big Ten think that's the only place in the country where football, proper football is played. At least that's been the historical view. Maybe the SEC has made quite a dent in that, but still. Uh, and, and they draw good crowds. It's, it, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I know winning draws people into the seats. I get that. But I don't know why, from a community standpoint that you were discussing, why why it is uh, it, it's it's just not as important in some areas as well, others. I, I get the pro effect, but I know that in Denver the Broncos are king. I mean, I, I understand that, but there are places where you can have both. Yeah, but works. but
1: but it's back to the culture thing. You know, football, for example, is probably a big conduit for people's connection to the university that might not be true other places that conduit might be different right so if if you're a a stanford grad maybe your ability oh nice jonathan reinhardt everybody maybe your ability to stay connected to your university is something different in Utah, Utah and BYU football is a big part of that. That's how I think fans and alums stay connected to the program and the university. Where we've talked about this for a long time. In college, it's not about the level of play that attracts fans. It's about the connection to the university, whatever that may be for you.
3: But there's a lot more connection when winning is being done. Yeah, sure. Yeah. At least around these parts. Well, I think Utah
1: proved when it had its four and eight seasons or whatever that it still is going to sell that place out, even on seasons that they don't win 10 games.
3: Mm, I'm not sure I agree with that.
1: It happened. What do you mean? I'm I'm telling you what happened. If
3: Utah goes four and eight for five (laughs) straight years, the building's going to empty They went
1: four and eight for two straight years, and they sold out every single home game. Wasn't
3: five and seven?
1: Well, after the bowl. Not after the bowl. Wasn't it four and eight? Both games, or I, both I years, promise. or was it five I, and seven? I'm, Either way, they sold out all of those home games.
3: Did they? Yes. Okay, but well there's a difference between two off years, especially when you're climbing into a new conference. Of course, I just I've told you them.
1: Tennessee sucked for decades. They still get 100,000 people in that stadium every week. Arkansas has been terrible forever. They sell out every game down there, Are too. Are they really
3: selling them out? The
1: Razorback fans, the old yeah. Suey thing? Yeah. <laughs>
3: I don't know. I haven't checked the attendance. Uh I I just think winning. Texas, makes Texas better.
1: has sucked for decades.
3: Last time I was at a Texas game it was I do not believe it was sold out. That's a big stadium. Like ninety seven. I think 000.
1: Texas's support and fandom has done plenty. <laughs> Gordon, okay. Gordon goes to one game well, that has two empty
3: seats, the, and he's like, bah. The University of Texas it's the annual its endowment is more than most countries in the world. Have they only won two league titles
1: in all of all of the Big Twelve history?
3: Uh, <clears throat> First, well, I, I, it, it just brings up the big old question mark again. Why? How? How did? Is it? How does this happen?
1: It's about more than winning. That's my point it's about that attach that conduit that attachment to the university that's that's how uh that's how millions of uh college graduates relive their early 20s uh, several times a
3: year how's vaitech doing ever since uh they his suck. lordship beamer uh retired they suck. no are they drawing fans
1: yeah they still draw a ton of fans are they
3: drawing fans like they once did
1: I'm pretty sure I mean, I guess I haven't looked at the figures uh,
3: in the last week or two, but, yeah, I mean, they're still selling out Lane Stadium. I wonder how long it takes to build it up. I wonder, to make a difference, how how many seasons would Oregon State have to have winning records before that newly renovated stadium of theirs gets filled up? I don't know.
1: All right, stay tuned. Uh, You've missed it. I know. The Not Sports Report coming up next. We've done it. And we've probably done it better. But people are used to you doing it. So that's <laughs> you that's, did it better. that's coming up next.
3: Since you did better, why don't you take it again? I, want to hear, I don't want to
1: step on your toes, man. I just I, want I'm to just, hear how much better, just, better it is. Hey, I'm just here to participate. That's all. Okay. All right. I, I don't want to take over your baby.
3: <laughs> Didn't you and I come up with this, some version of this together? Kind of. We did the in slammies the and
1: the High Fives, which maybe we should get back to the slammies and the High Fives. I like that. <laughs> All right, more next live from the team store here for Salt Lake Summer League. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280
0: The Zone. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires with the lowest price on every tire every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust.
1: It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are live here from the team store at Vivint Arena. Getting ready for uh, Summer League action, which, by the way, tips off uh, coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We will split the signal. The big show will continue on on 1280 AM. And uh, Utah Jazz Basketball David James on the call is going to be over on the uh, FM side of the dial. So there you go for your programming. Either keep it locked here to 1280 or flip over to DJ doing that good play-by-play work alongside my guy Tim Lacombe. So it should be a lot of fun. Right now, it's time for the Nott Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Uh, For over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory, check them out online at lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today?
3: Uh, uh, We're not going to any particular place. We're going to a, a national holiday. Okay? Now, Jake, there are numerous days throughout the year that celebrate different kinds of nuts. There's a National Almond Day. The National Pecan Day. There's days for cashews, walnuts, peanuts, macadamia nuts, pistachios, and chestnuts. But today is an extra special comprehensive day. It is National Grab Some Nuts Day. That's the name of the, the day. National Grab Some Nuts Day. And essentially, You wonder
1: why I think I do better at this segment.
3: This, this, this National Grab Some Nuts Day, it has it has a history. You are the worst. I don't. Oh, you know what? I'm not I, participating. No, in this. it has a history. And but let me ask you: Do you know the difference between a nut and a le- legume? It is what? It, uh, is that how you say it? Legume. I think it's legume. <laughs> leg yeah. leg legume. What? Anyway, that is uh, uh, it has a, a pod. That opens up with seeds, like on the inside. But nuts are what you think they are, <laughs> and today you're supposed to grab some. And uh, according to the American Heart Association, what do you think is the is a healthy amount of nuts to consume during during an average week? Some uh, four helpings of one and a half ounces, which is essentially a handful. So four handfuls of nuts a week. It, 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 there is some confusion about National Grab Some Nuts Day. They, they think that it may have started with, with me- metal nuts and bolts, but then it changed to the kind that you eat. So the, the proponents of National Grab Some Nuts Day are suggesting that everybody celebrates By grabbing a handful and savoring the nuts.
1: This, as the kids say, Gordon, was not it. (laughs) You are something else. You know that? You are something else.
3: I didn't make it up.
1: No, you just brought it up.
3: I know, but it's a national holiday.
1: But you brought it up.
3: We can't let it go, you know. We can't. No, to.
1: we can't. I promise, Chester, we can.
3: Hmm. Do you know what the worst nut to eat is?
1: A poison one.
3: A macadamia nut and a pecan. They have the most calories. And do you know which nut is most environmentally friendly? Organically grown pecans, peanuts, pine nuts, and sunflower seeds. They're the most sustainable options. I love pine nuts. Do you like pine nuts? What's your favorite kind of nut? A wing nut. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of edible nut?
1: So why are we talking about because this?
3: Because it's National Grab Some Nuts Day. I don't know, Gordon. Well, you don't have a favorite kind of nut?
1: Almonds are good, peanuts, whatever.
3: I'll go. I like peanuts, I like cashews, I like pine nuts, uh, I like macadamia nuts, especially chocolate covered. <laughs> so, I think I might go celebrate National Grab Some Nuts today by grabbing some nuts. Are you going to grab some?
1: Nope. Nope. I think we're having tacos tonight.
3: Do you have any at home? Uh,
1: probably. Probably.
3: So you could grab some nuts at home if you want.
1: Nope, not going to do it. You're <laughs> the worst. This is the worst. The silence here is. I know it's this National, is the worst. It's hey, it's this is the worst. August third,
3: National Grab Some Nuts Day. I can't. Don't worry I'm not making this up. I,
1: Gordon, I don't know. This just seems like a. It just like. Do you, Do you ever like think about like, how is this going to
3: sound? Nuts are rich in nutrients and minerals, and if they're eaten to the correct amount, they're great for improving our health. Let's see what's going on next.
1: We're live here uh, at the, the Summer League. is about to get underway. Now, if you want to continue listening to the big show, that's going to be on 1280 AM. Uh, Summer League basketball will be on 97.5 FM. Here at the team store, we have more Big Show coming (laughs) up next, 97.5 and 1280, (laughs) The Zone.